enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Welcome, all you Midnighters out there and new listeners to the Midnight Movie Podcast, where you will get ghouls, ghosts, haunted houses, new horror movies, old horror movies, creature features, slashers, sci-fi movies, science gone wrong, and invasion from outer space. On tonight's episode... I will be reviewing a movie called I Married a Monster from Outer Space. Dun dun dun! It says I Married a Monster from Outer Space. From 1958 is a horror science fiction thriller from Paramount Pictures, which I'll go into that for just a moment. For those of you who don't know the history of Paramount Pictures, Paramount Pictures, Corporation, Common Metanami Par, whatever that means, is an American film and television production and distribution company and a subsidiary of Viacom CBS. It is fifth, fifth oldest film studio in the world. Holy crap. The second oldest film studio in the United States, but you don't know this, Universal Pictures is the second oldest film studio in the United States and the sole member of the big five film studios still located in the city limits of Los Angeles which many of you probably didn't know and I didn't know either in 1916 film producer Adolf Zukor put 22 actors and actresses under contract and honored each with a star on the logo in 2014 Paramount Pictures became the first major Hollywood Hollywood studio to distribute all of its films in digital form only. Wow. The company's headquarters and studios are located at 5555 55, 55 Melrose Avenue, blah, blah, blah. Paramount Pictures is a member of the Motion Pictures Association, MPA. Famous, uh, let's see. It says, Formerly Famous Players Film Company, 1912 to 1916. Hmm, which I did not know. That's the history of Paramount Pictures and when it started. This movie was produced by Paramount Pictures, produced and directed by Gene Fowler Jr. that stars Tom Tyron and Gloria Talbot. So the director, Gene Fowler, was born May 27, 1960. 17 and 11, May 11, 1998, the eldest son of journalist and author Gene Fowler was a prominent Hollywood film editor. His work includes film of Fritz Lang and Samuel Fuller and movies like Stanley Kramer's It's a Mad, Mad, Mad World, 1963. Some of you know that. I know it. John Cassavetes. Betty's A Child Is Waiting, 1963, and Hang Em High, 1968. He was also the director of feature films as well as numerous television programs. While the majority of his dictatorial work is regenerated as minor efforts, Leonard Malton lists only three of his tele 
Of his seven features in his compendium, two of his films, I Was a Teenage Werewolf, 1957, not bad, and I Married a Monster from Outer Space, 1958, have gained some critical attention in retrospect. So that's Gene Fowler and stars Tom Tyrone, Tyrone, I thought I would pronounce it, Tom Lester Tyrone, born January 14, 1926 to September 4, 1991, was an uh, American actor and novelist. He is best known for playing the title role in the film Cardinal, 19, that Cardinal, 1963, featured roles in the war films The Longest Day, 1962, and in Harm's Way, 1965, with John Wayne and especially the Walt Disney television character Texas John Slaughter, 1958 to 1961, and Gloria Talbot, who was born February 7th, 1931 to September 19, 2000. As an American film actor, early life and career is Talbot was born in Glendale, California. Her great-grandfather, Benjamin F. Patterson, 1984 to 1920, arrived from Ohio in 1882 and bought some acreage in the area. He later assisted with the plating of the city. She began her career as a child actress, such films as Maytime, 1937, Sweet and Low Down, 1944, and A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, 1945. Some of you may have heard of those. She attended Glendale High School in November 1948. Talbot was in the cast of One Fine Day, a comedy presented on stage at the Baltimore Theater in Los Angeles. So there's Talbot, or Gloria Talbot. It says Paramount released the film as a double feature with The Blob. The double feature, here's an interesting fact that some of you may not know. The double feature was a motion picture industry phenomenon in which theaters would exhibit two films for the price of one. Supplanting an earlier format in which one feature film and various short subjects reels would be shown. Early opera use, Opera House staged two operas together for the sake of providing long performances for the audiences. This was related to one actor or two act, one act or two act short operas that were otherwise commercially hard to stage alone. A prominent example is the double bill of Pag Pagliasi Maiacci with Cavalleria Rusticana. I can't pronounce that. First stage on December 22nd, 1983. The double feature original originated in the 1930s. Prior to the 1930s, the dominant presentation pre model consisted of the following one or more live acts, an animated cartoon short subject, one or more live action comedy shorts, one or more novelty shorts, a newsreel, the main feature film, 
with the widespread arrival of sound film in American theaters in 1929, many independent exhibitors began dropping the then-dominant presentation model movie theaters suffered a downturn Aww. in business in the early years of the Great Depression. Theater owners decided they could both attract more customers and save on costs if they offered two movies for the price of one. Yay, wish it, they would have bring that back, you know, but of course they'll never do. The tactic worked audiences considered the cost of a theater ticket good value for several hours of escapist and varied entertainment and the practice became a standard for pat uh, became a standard pattern of programming in the typical 1930s double bill the screening began with a variety program consisting of trailers newsreel a cartoon and or a short film preceding a low budget second feature the B movie followed by a short interlude lastly the high budget main feature the A movie so that's the history and how the double feature became a thing this film storyline concerns a young wife that begins to realize that her husband is not the man he was before they married. He has lost all real affection for her and for his new pet dog, which she gave him as a present. Thereafter, she quickly discovers that he is not the only man in town that appears to have changed. Suspicious, she follows him one evening when he goes out for a walk and shockingly discovers that her husband is actually an alien humanoid. Dun dun dun. So the cast. You have a laundry list of casts in this. Tom Tyron as Bill Farrell. And then you have Gloria Talbot as Marge Bradley Farrell. Peter Baldwin as Officer Frank Swanson. Robert Ivers as Harry Phillips. And then you have a laundry list of other characters. So. It says, for the production, it says both director Gene Fowler Jr. and screenwriter Louis Vitez had worked on series television and had some success with I Married a Monster from Outer Space. Both had some creative freedom, although Vitez was notoriously resistant to any changes to his script. To the annoyance of the leads, principal photographer Photography for I Married a Monster from Outer Space began on April 21st and ended in early May 1958. The film marked Fowler's second directorial effort following I Was a Teenage Werewolf, 1957. Prior to this, Fowler had worked closely as an editor for Fritz Lang. So it released on September 10th, 1958. The film premiered in Los Angeles, followed by its U.S. and Canada theatrical release in October. So, the critics now, here's the critics' response. Take them as you will. You get some bad reviews. Listeners, listen up. Don't just go by what the critics say. Don't just go by what IMDb says, because there's a lot of 
fives out there that I'm like, wow, this is a seven for me. Because me and my mom, little sidetrack note here, me and my mom, when I used to live in Minnesota, we would go to movies quite often. Seems like almost every other weekend or so, but we'd go to movies quite often. And we'd be like, wow, this kind of looks pretty good. And it gets bad, bad reviews. We walk out of the theater, and we're like, wow, that was pretty great. Or that was awesome. We saw many of many movies that didn't get great ratings. We were like, wow, that was actually pretty darn good. So don't just go by IMDb rating and be like, eh. Read the synopsis. If you feel like it, watch the trailer. They ruined most of the movie. My view is grab me in 30 seconds on a trailer. My philosophy, I want to pass on to you, the midnighters out there. Watch a trailer for 30 seconds. If it grabs you enough in that 30 seconds, then you don't need to watch the rest of it and spoil what happens. It'll be worth you watching and checking out. Critical response. Upon its release, I married a monster from outer space proved to be a hit with audiences and critics despite its modest budget and unpretentious production values. The film was ideal for ideal filler for driving audiences. So they basically what they're saying is they play a good movie in the beginning, so 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 good movie in the middle and then like your last would be this or they'd play this and then play a better movie at the end, but it wouldn't be your top bill for the drive-in. Be like, "Oh, that's first. No, it'd be second maybe more like a third, if they were going to play three movies, it would be a third. But it would be a second, and it would never be a first, is what they're basically saying. Originally slated as the A film in a double feature, The Blob. So it beat out The Blob, and it was the main movie for the double feature, the first, and then The Blob, which don't really think that should have been, mind you, but I'll get into my thoughts on the movie later. I Married a Monster from Outer Space was relegated to the bottom of the playbill because audiences preferred the intriguing full-color monster feature over this monochromatic, more somber domestic invasion entry. Due to its exploitive and sensualized title, I Married a Monster from Outer Space has long been ignored by critics and film historians. Although it received respectable reviews, both in contemporary and in later reviews. Variety says, 1958 review wrote, Fowler's direction while sometimes slow latches onto mounting suspense as action moves to climax. I could agree. He gets the benefit of outstanding special photographic effects from John P. Fulton. Let's see, uh, Leonard Malton called it a pretty good little rehash of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Totally, that, that's funny. I was watching this movie. Many of you listeners out there, many Midnighters out there will watch this movie. You'll get the correlation, you'll get it, that it does remind you of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's all I'm going to say, because I want to not spoil anything of this movie. Uh, that's it. Leonard Nimoy called it pretty good little rehash of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with some nice creepy moments. Okay, listeners, 
Midnighters out there, when you go back to older films before the days of the 1980s where computer graphics were starting to come in, play, all those crap, you know, cheesy, well not crap, but cheesy graphics, you know, they had to rely on their acting ability, their ability to emote, and their ability to uh, facial expression heavily because it was, it was all basically done, it was all done practical effects and they didn't have special effects to carry the, most of the movies you see nowadays. Because most of the movies you see nowadays is mostly CGI this, CGI that, and the actors acting, but they're not as believable as like some of these back then. And the rule of thumb is try to put yourself in the times of people watching you back then. Because you have the eyes of somebody who has lived so many years now and, and been subject to all these horror movies, all these sci-fi movies, just all these movies in general, where you've seen a lot of stuff and it doesn't phase you and you're like, well, that's not really scary. But somebody then who ha doesn't get to see a lot of movies, they only get to see what they see in the theater, then there's no home, home movie couldn't watch it at home. Whatever they showed on television, they would watch, if at all, get to rewatch it, and that's it. So they get to see the stuff for the first time, and it's terrifying. An alien, a Martian, coming from outer space, landing, walking out of the spaceship, and the government, and the army all standing there, thinking of a alien invasion, or nuclear nuclear waste getting dumped into the lakes and stuff and creating these creatures these monsters like you know take a monster uh creature from the black lagoon you know creating all these creatures and that's terrifying because that was a real i guess possibility back then you know you don't get superpowers because nobody's dumb enough to go in there and be like, oh, I'm gonna try to get superpowers. Which I, I always thought like, you get, you know, you hear about back, back in those days where dumping of nuclear waste and blah, blah, you know, you gotta think that there was some stupid idiot out there thinking comic books and everything, oh, nuclear, get superpowers and go put their hand in it or something and get radiation poisoning thinking they're gonna become a superhero. But no. You are being warned. I'm about to play the trailer for this movie that minute and 56 seconds or so. So you have just been warned. So if you don't want any spoilers, fast forward about a minute and 50 Six seconds. A beautiful, innocent girl on her honeymoon. Her passionate dreams of perfect romance turned into a living nightmare. sweetheart she married, the man she had loved, was merely the hollow shell for the invaders from outer space. Bill, 
through the flesh-crawling terror of this unearthly marriage when anyone she turned to could be one of them. Could she touch the body of this masquerading alien who wanted to learn the secrets of human love? Your race has no women. It can't have children. It will die out. Eventually, we'll have children with you. What kind of children? All kind. Was it true? Could space monsters mate with Earth women? See the startling answer in the shocker of them all. This movie starts out with a group of men who were at a who were at a restaurant, and the one uh, main character, if you will, one of the characters, if you will, he leaves the bar, leaves the restaurant, and he goes to drive home and as he's driving home he uh, slams on his brakes because he thinks he he hit a body because he did literally like he didn't run it over but he bumped it with the bumper and so he gets out and he's all shocked he's like what the heck and then he looks down and when he gets out into the front of the vehicle and the body's not there shocker what happened to the body and there's just like a bunch of sticks or twigs and as he's standing there in days like what you see this hand from the right side of the screen uh basically stick the hand on top of his uh left shoulder and then from there he turns around and you see the full torso the upper torso and upper body part of the the alien and he's all frightened and scared and everything like that so he collapses to the ground and the next thing you know, you see smoke come around him, and poof, he's been snatched and gone. That's the first sign of the bodies being snatched and taken away. So, you get the rest of the movie in short terms is the rest of the cast, the townspeople, they go about their, their lives and everything, and you get the aliens who are going around touching them and doing the whole transferring into their type of body they don't actually um basically they don't actually like transfer into their body they they have some way of when they touch them that they're able to transform their body into their body and they keep their body as a host and they're running around town as them and not, you know, people don't know anything until they're around them long enough to know, okay, hey, something's not right here. And you get the whole, I married a monster from outer space. So the main two, main couple, they, they, she didn't marry a monster from outer space. They're already married. But later in the movie, you get a couple that's about to get married and she, her friend, bridesmaid, I guess, if you will, set her aside because they're, and said, you shouldn't get married, and trying to tell her, but really couldn't go through with it. Couldn't really tell her why you shouldn't marry her, but there's some off with all the people, and of course, she ends up realizing what's, that her husband's off and that he's been, you know, basically taken over by an alien race, and goes to the local, you know, uh, doctor and 
stuff like that, and the doctor thinks you might be crazy a little bit, goes to the local sheriff, and it's like, well, you can't, he believes her, but you can't go around telling anybody, because nobody's going to believe you, and nobody's going to believe him. And the, and the doctor started thinking she was crazy, and kind of believed her, like, I know where I can get some men, blah, blah, blah. So they rally up the men to deal with the alien race, and to find their spaceship and do they destroy the spaceship do they all die do the aliens rise up and destroy them all do they find out what happened to their to the original bodies do they get the original bodies back and when they do get the original bodies back what happens to the regular aliens bodies the special effects on it it's kind of wonky a bit but it works for the time when you're watching it because if I feel that if you were watching it in the original format, it wouldn't look crystal clear, high definition the way I watched it. So it wouldn't look as cheesy as it did in high def. But they go around and rally up all these all these men who would end up believing them to try to stop the aliens from hashing out their plan, if you will. They do. So the, the main couple, the husband ends up finding out that she knows about him and the alien, and he explains to her the reason why, and you know, you get the, the whole story, it's basically, you know, same story as other movies have been done, where an ancient alien race is, their planet dying, or their species, and they gotta save their species, so they go to another planet and they come to Earth. To reproduce and so that's basically what his plan was is to reproduce to make more of their their kind whether or not they're being diabolical and gonna destroy all humans or they're gonna live like the good example any of you midnighters out there ever seen the TV show Futurama Absolutely loved it. Wish they would have kept on with it like, you know, Simpsons and stuff like that. But I loved it. But to do something like that where they come down and they may, they find a way. First of all, they got to find a way to do it and to reproduce and make more of their race. So are they going to end up living like they do with your drama where humans live with robots, which... That's not too far-fetched in our day and age, and to live with aliens, to cohabitate, work, even work with aliens at your daily job like it's just a regular old day. Is that what their, you know, his, their intentions are? Not explained. Question mark. You don't get the answer. You want the answer. Are they a race that wants to kill everybody? You don't know. Do they all, do the town people all die because they're all, they're all not all town people, but do all the, the men that got rallied up, do they, they all die trying to fight? You know at least one's going to die. You know you're going to at least have one that's going to die. You, you're never going to have a movie where it's like, oh, they all live. you got to have the suspense, you know, the thriller in there. And Do they destroy the spaceship? Do they even find the spaceship? Do they figure out where the the other human, the other men are, humans are, and and bring them back to their wives, their same old lives? Do you have to watch the movie? Find out. This movie's in black and white, and it's uh, not rated, which is not a surprise. 
because many of the 50s movies that I've come across, they don't have rating on it. And it's an hour and 18 minutes, so it's not long. I'm watching it. I didn't feel the need to really uh, check how long the movie is, really to check my phone or anything. I did, you know, a couple times, a few times, because, you know, I got a notification, whatever, and I want to check it, blah, blah, but I didn't get distracted. I still knew what was going on. Special effects are very good for the times. Practical effects, the whole, when you see the alien and the alien's head while it's glowing and everything, that's, that's well done. I mean, for that time, to be able to do effect of something glowing, transparent-ish, like that, to do something like that in those times, it's amazing. The acting, now, the acting is really good. They emoted very well. Their facial expressions, I, I really got their emotion, their terror, their frightness, the blank look on the the people's face that got turned into the aliens, or yeah, that were inhabited by the aliens. I it was very believable. So it's not a waste of time. You can find it on streaming services now, mind you. You got to pay for it. Most of them I saw, like YouTube and everything, it was like $2.99, so it's not bad. I bought this uh, pack on Voodoo. It's like a five-movie sci-fi pack. And this was one of them, one of many that I may review from said pack, but it was in there. It was worth it to watch it. Now, they have a tagline for this movie, and the tagline says, The Bride Wore Terror. So... In the actual um, artwork for it, it's all in color and some black and white. And she says war terror and she's got red lipstick on her, her face. There's no real like parental guidance for this. There's nothing really too horrible about it. I mean, like if you have 13, 14 year old, you know, if you have like a 14 year old, whatever. Yeah, you can show them. It's not anything horrible about it. They do have trivia. The dogs who attack the undisguised aliens near the end of the film were initially too scared to approach the costume actors. The dogs were then acclimated to the presence of the suited actors perhaps too well. For when the time come to shoot the scene of the dogs attacking the aliens, the dogs didn't attack the aliens, but jumped playfully around on them instead. They do. Now, for you animal lovers out there, this reminded me of a scene in there. There's a scene where a dog gets killed, but it's more like vaporized and it's just like there and then laid down and it poof, gone. But you don't see it's very horrific, it's just sad, horrible. But I had to put that in there. There is an animal death in there. For those of you who might be like, oh, I can't watch it because of it. It didn't seem as uh, gruesome or sad because, you know, it's the 1950s. But if it was more modern day and a dog got killed, yeah, that'd be hard to watch. Goof. After the newlyweds depart the church, they are driving down a country road just as they are about to pass a mysterious alien figure, the shadow of a boom mic can be briefly seen on the road as the camera traverses with 
motion of the vehicle. Dude, I like totally missed that. I so totally missed that. Now I'm gonna have to go back, scroll through it just to find that scene, just so I can see if I see it. But apparently you can. There's a quote from this line. First lines, woman in a bar, woman in the bar says, those guys ain't even giving us a hard look. That's what she says, that's the quote. I don't know why they chose that quote, but it's a quote. And then Bill Farrell, I've just begun to learn. Marge Bradley Farrell, Bill, oh Bill. Dr. Wayne, don't worry Marge. I know where to get our men, human men. So that's at the point, that one right there, the Dr. Wayne one, that was at the point where he didn't really believe her at the beginning of her consultation, talking to her, and then he ends up believing her and says, I know where to get the men. Marge, Bradley, Farrell, your race has no women. I can't have children. Oh, wait, wait, let me say it, let me say it differently. Your race has no women. I can't even have children. It will die out. Bill Farrell, eventually we'll, eventually we'll have children with you. Mark Bradley Farrell, what kind of children? Bill Farrell, our kind. So those are the quotes for the movie. And then it says, uh, better than average 50s sci-fi flick. This has, to, this has to definitely be one of the better science fiction films of the mid to late 1950s. One of the top reviews. The only thing that hurts this film is the lousy title. The thing that really impressed me about it is the fact that this film isn't a typical B-movie. In fact, this film gives you a very thought-provoking story as well as what another person said, a kind of poignancy, poignancy that you never would expect from this type of film. In fact, you pretty much feel that towards the end of the film that Marge is actually falling for the alien. So for my rating for this movie, I give it a 7. A solid 7. Very good movie. Black and white. Special effects were okay. Acting was really good. And I highly recommend watching it. It's like $2.99, $3 to rent it. So go out and rent it. Now listen up all you Midnighters out there. Those of you who like to hunt down the filming locations for different movies, here's the filming location for this movie. So you can go, if you live out in California, specifically Los Angeles, go to 4946 Melrose Hill, Los Angeles, California. So last thing I'll say, if you watch this movie and you end up liking it, they do have other movies that are recommended that are like this, The Daughter of Jekyll, Jek Jekyll, and then they have Not of This Earth, that would be more, more like it, Earth vs. Flying Saucer, yep, Monster of the Campus, no, not really, you know, The Man from Planet X, that would be a good, you know, one to, to watch, so, you know, any of those type of movies, you know, with the aliens coming down, it came from outer space, Yep, that would be a good double feature to watch with it. So any of those movies, I would recommend watching it as a, you know, double feature for, for that movie, to pair it with that movie. And thanks to all my fans, to all my listeners, thanks to all the great podcasts out there. Thanks for all you guys do and all the support you guys show me. And thanks for going where no podcaster has ever gone before. Back. Back to the future.